Kiora and welcome to the Machinist Therapy Hotline. It's that time again. We are here for another gripping episode and this week we've got a guest host on who we'll introduce in a minute. But of course, as per normal, we need to make sure that we have the dream team here. Tony Klauser. I'm here and ready to rock. Shane Poole. Yo, yo. Albert Rigzinski. What's for dinner? And me, Jody Tuckwell, Takeaway Master. And let's get on with the podcast. Here we are, guys. Episode 27. And we've got a special guest of us. And I think maybe Albert's going to do the introduction this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess, I guess I'm doing that. Um yeah, so we've got uh, a bloke on named Peter Peter Bingman. Did I say that right? Sounds about right. It's close enough. Big, big man, Peter. Big, big man. man. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Peter and I know each other from way back when. Uh, I don't even remember how many years ago it was, but Peter actually worked for me for a short period of time, and Peter had even before me had been involved in the manufacturing world. So I think it would be kind of fun to hear his story because he's he's kind of progressed quite a bit through this whole manufacturing industry from kind of like machine operator up through programmer. And now I think he's kind of more supporting on the OEM side. So um, maybe we can kind of, you know, get your your uh, your story. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. I've been, uh, I've admittedly been a loyal, loyal listener since the first episode. So uh, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Um, as far as the background, uh, really since just about when I was able to walk, my mom's been in uh, manufacturing her whole life. I grew up in a shop. Um, it was not more or less of a shop, but more of just a production manufacturing facility. So you know, when when, uh, when I was young, my mom used to take us, you know, over to the shop late at night so she'd make a little extra money cleaning offices and stuff. So, you know, since I was in elementary school, I've been running around in manufacturing facilities, you know, just uh, having fun with it. So um, I got I got I actually got into the machining trade kind of just by accident, kind of fell into it, actually. I was working at, a, at an electronics company just kind of putting together electronics inverters and circuit boards and running solder wave machines and at that time they actually had just changed tep agencies and uh they had offered me you know a little bit more money to go from temp agency a to temp agency b and um it it wasn't much it was maybe 50 cents an hour so um this was 2008 when when the economy was just really really bad so you know you, you were lucky to, to to work at all really so then i got a call from from temp agency a and said hey listen we got a we got a um a position over here that's across town or the next town over and they're going to pay in another couple dollars an hour to to run machines and i said well yeah i mean i sign me up right now let's let's get this done and um i, I started in that shop running these um chucker machines they're they're the Basically, these old, ancient, 70-year-old machines that basically were kind of motorized and ran on a gear system. And then they would basically drive um, these form tools to basically cut uh, pipes for natural gas, right? So it would, it would, it would, the form tool would slice the inner diameter and then put a big 45-degree chamfer so that when you put the nut on there, the little rubber gasket would seal around the pipe. Wait a minute, and wait a minute, Peter. It, what what shop is that? I think I know what that is. Yeah, the name of the shop was Norton McMurray Manufacturing in Geneva, Illinois. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not so. what I was thinking of. It's just that that product sounded a lot like uh, another shop out in uh, Lincolnshire. Oh, okay. EH Watts. They make like similar similar equipment. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on. No, no, that's fine. So there happened to be a, a CNC machine. So, so I spent the first probably six months at that place looking at uh, a, a pair of lathes at a mill that I didn't even know what on earth they were. <laughs> and at about that time, I was in I was in college actually going to school for design. Um, and so I, I was I was fast tracking to get my associate's degree to be a, a designer for SolidWorks. And the, the owner basically approached me and said, listen, we, we think that you have the skill sets to, to work with this gentleman over here. It was this really great guy from Columbia. Uh, his name is Edgar. 
and basically said, "What we want you to basically set up and run these lays. He's going to give you your instructions. He's going to give you a piece of paper. He's going to give you a set of chuck or chuck jaws, and you're basically going to run small batch parts, three to three to fifteen parts. Let's see how many setups you can get done in a day, right? So I would bounce back and back and forth. And these were, I mean, at the time, the first machine I had ever touched was an Akuma LB15 lathe, and the thing was so ancient. I remember getting in there." <laughs> and I, I the, the the LB15s had the coolant tanks that were built into the casting, mm-hmm. and it 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 it, it, it smelled so awful. Like it hadn't been machined, <laughs> it hadn't been cleaned in probably three years. And uh, me being, of course, the plucky go-getter, right? I decided to take it on me to clean said coolant tank, and it was it just a painful, painful, awful experience. But mm-hmm. anyways, they also they also had a Hasses they had a Hass ST laid with a bar feeder. So obviously I got exposure to the bar feeder uh, kind of um, uh, area of manufacturing. And then they had this really ancient Mazak mill with the little rotary indexer. And it would basically just rotate one or two positions uh, along the y-axis to basically do the same kind of thing. But instead of using a form tool to punch through like they did on chuckers, they would use a thread mill to basically cut the outer threads and then do some of the inner components and some of the brass parts. So... Uh, I went, so I went there, I was 18 months about there. And then I, and then I, uh, got laid off, um, because I had a disagreement with the owner and apparently he was super unhappy about it. And I, I fell, I fell out of CNC for about 11 months just cause I just needed to work. Wait, wait, wait. What was, I, the, what, what was the what yeah. was the disagreement about? What was the disagreement about? On that for us just a little bit. So yeah. the company the company encouraged you know that the, they they promoted that they would offer tuition to relevant to the relevant field uh, that they were obviously in the business with. So they they told all the 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 employees that we want you to have a goal sheet. We want your short term plan and we want your long term goal. Okay, mm-hmm. so. I told them the, the short-term plan was for me was to get into school for you to help me with the tuition. The long-term plan was for me to get an associate's degree, right? So I, I come back, I, you know, two days later, I come back. The vice president sits me down and says, well, we like what you're, we like the goal sheet. We like what you want to do. But instead of sending you to school, we're going to have, we're, you're, the owner wants to sit down with you and he's going to throw this old Mazak CNC manual and you're just going to read five to 10 pages a week. And then you're going to have a review with this guy uh, here and there. And I'm like, uh, I don't think you guys are in the business of giving out diplomas. So that's not going to work for me. Three days later, they threw me out. They said, we're going to let you go. You know, uh, I, when you were talking about when you started there and you were doing the chuckers and stuff, and then it sounds like they were obviously somebody was watching you and realized that you were trainable and, and had a decent head on your shoulders. And that's why. They decided to spend some time on you and get you over there on the Akuma and the Haas and uh, see how many setups you can do. I mean, it kind. Of, I mean, I this kind of how my journey went when somebody saw I could run a turret lathe and, and not totally screw shit up and then move you over here. And it's it sounded like they kind of the one to lead you to along to possibly learn more and go a little further in their company if i'm not mistaken. Right, and that, and the company ended up being a bit of a revolving door. I mean, I don't think. I mean, we're fast forwarding to 12 years later. I don't think a single person that um, that's not in management is still working at that facility. You know, and it wasn't a real big shop. This was this was a two building next to each other, 10 man, uh, 10 man and woman uh, um, uh, shop. So there really wasn't a whole lot of room for growth in that area. So, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. I think that going through that experience and obviously getting through. Um, that is going to obviously has, has got me to where I am now, which I'm extremely happy with, with this company and what I get to do every day of my life. It's, you know, so I'm grateful. I have no regrets in where I've worked and, and what I've gone through because it's gotten me where I am at now. So, but, um, so anyways, there was an 11 month lapse and then I finally got picked up by a shop actually close to my house here in Batavia, Illinois, which is just a little bit North of Naperville. And they had a whole shop full of Haas machines, so I had a couple of horizontals, and they had some verticals, and they were a thermoforming shop, right? So everything they did was aluminum tooling. We get some steel occasionally, just a bunch of three-axis machining, right? So I got into a machine from a machine operator, and I got thrown into the fray, and that's 
that was I was there three years. It was the most some of the most valuable years I've ever spent in a shop because that's where I learned to be a machinist. And they were very rewarding years, but they they were they were some tough years. A lot of a lot of long hours and and um, but I learned a ton. I learned a ton. So so I got trained by a couple of guys. Um, and these guys would kind of pass me back and forth. Okay, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And, you know, in the beginning, you know, when you're used to just setting up, there, there's a sharp learning curve to being a machinist because you have to have an understanding of what's happening and why it's happening, how you need to fix it, right? Or how to correct certain things or to be efficient in setting up machines and getting tools set up, inspecting. So, you know, I, I probably spent the first six weeks there kind of just really fighting hard to, to get it, right? I remember the 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 one uh, Filipino guy that that trained me. He basically looked at me. He was an older guy. He was probably in his late sixties. And he says, "You gonna you gonna get this figured out anytime soon, or what's the deal here?" You know. <laughs> you know and I, I told him, "Listen, I'm grinding. I'm trying. I'm doing my best." And it, it's amazing that you wake up one day and then it clicks. It, it kind of clicks. You, you you think about it and you say, "Oh, that's." So that's why you need to indicate the vice, right? Because you need to get the the back of the vice parallel to the x-axis. Oh, that makes total sense because then the part has to be in there straight, and and that's obviously how you get a you get a decent part, right? So that it all started clicking, and I got really good at it. And then I started doing the bigger plate work, and then um, and that's when the kind of money dispute happened towards the end of the three years, because towards the end I had volunteered to take the second shift. And then I was supervising on the second shift. I was I was um, doing the machining, and then obviously going to school for design. That's where the CAD CAM, the CAM side of things, uh, where I got to an epiphany, where they they were they were obviously using a software to to program the machines. So so I'm having this the the the, the programmer explain this to me because I've never seen it before. I'm I'm like, what's CAM? I, I've never heard of this stuff, right? I'm just in the shop getting my ass kicked on a daily basis, right? And um, he basically said, well, you take this model and then you put it into the software. And then what you do is you basically put some tool path on it and then you put it, you turn it into code and that's what goes in the machine. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in design school and I, you know, I'm, and I like, love being a machinist. So I tell the guy, I'm like, you're telling me that I can take the design part of my education, but keep the machining part uh, the, the machining part of what I love so much and do them at the same time. Well, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This is it. This is my career for the rest of my life going forward. So, so again, I, I got into a little bit of a money dispute where the, the basically the boss told me, you, you don't, you're not even, you're not even worth half of what you think that you were, what you want. So I said, okay, so it's time for me to, uh, you know, kick the can down the road here a little bit and see if I can make something better myself. So now at this time, I'm having kids, right? So I have my firstborn, and uh, thankfully my mother-in-law is babysitting, and things are going good financially. But the second kid is coming, right? So now I got to figure out how I make more money because I got to pay the now I have to start paying the childcare and the rent and the mortgage and et cetera, et cetera, right? So I, I well I started calling recruiters, and I had one recruiter call me and says, "You ever consider being an applications engineer?" I, and I I told the guy I said I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. What on earth is an application? They said, well, basically, it's it's close to what you're doing, except you'll be servicing customers, and you get to travel around a little bit, and um, it, you'll get to kind of run machines, and you'll help customers learn how to run the machines. And I said, well, how much does it pay? And he said, well, you know, this is what you're making now, and this is what you'll make there. And I said, yeah, let's do it, right? I don't, you know, I talked to my wife, and she says, yeah, if it makes more money, you need to travel, do what you got to do. I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So I started at MC Machinery Systems. That so that was 2014. I, I just got into applications engineering, and I haven't gone back since. It's been pretty good experience. I, I was there for 11 months, and then um, I left, and then I actually started working for the Haas Factory Outlet here in Chicago. And I spent 18 months at the Haas Factory Outlet, and uh, as an applications engineer. And then from there, what was that like? What was that like? You know, working for Haas. Haas's Haas's version, and and this isn't a negative by any way, but Haas's I, I feel like Haas's version of an applications engineer is was wasn't aligned with the, what my idea of an applications engineer was. I was doing a lot of machine installations, so, right? And and I, I will tell you this: um, 
very, very valuable experience learning how to level machines and how to troubleshoot machines, how to indicate probes into machines and tool setters. That was very valuable experience. It's a, it's a very, it was a very service driven uh, position. And I, I got to give props to a lot of those service guys because those guys go through the meat grinder. A lot of them go through the meat grinder on a daily basis. They have very tough jobs. I, I will admit that. Because I, I remember going into shops where we've had to realign spindles to to um, to turrets, and you know so, so those customers sometimes are not they're not very friendly. I mean, you work your ass off for 13 hours and they just treat you like trash, and it's just not fun. So I, I have a lot of respect for those guys. They have it tough, but um, but you know I would I would install the machines, and then um, what I would essentially do is is train the customer on the control. Right? How how do how do we how do how do I maximize the output that this operator is going to get out of this control, right? What 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 can I find on this control that that person doesn't know about, right? <clears throat> so I'm doing that a lot, and uh, and it, like I said, it was a good job, but I just don't want to spend a career installing machines. It's really not what I got into this. My goal was to be a programmer, right? So I, I got a I got a call or a message actually um, through LinkedIn from my, my now boss is basically looking for a guy in the Chicago area. And I almost didn't respond to him, right? Because the factory outlet, I, I was I was looking for more money and they they did appreciate me and they did, they did offer me more money in the long run. So I really give them a lot of respect for doing that for me. It's just the responsibility is just not what I was looking for. It just wasn't aligning with my goals. So I almost didn't respond to my now boss, and, and I was having second thoughts. So that the, the you know the, the the factory outlet told me basically, hey, listen, we're, we're going to get you to do some more programming work. Just just you know, we just got done with IMTS. This was in 2018, and um, let let's get you let's get these machines installed. We sold a lot of machines. Help us get these things installed. And then we'll get you off to do some real programming. We'll do some. We'll do some test runs. We'll do some demos and some. Uh, um, we'll 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 get you some in kind of a line of what you want to do. So and I said okay, no problem. And um, three months three months later, it's two and a half three months went by, and I said okay, I think I think I need to reach out to this guy that's offering me something and have a conversation with him. And it was the, the best decision I made in my entire life. And again, it's no knock. It's no knock on Haas. They treated me very well. The Morse Group was a very good company to work for. It's it's just this. Uh, you can't pass up an opportunity to to be in this five-axis world, working with some of the most sophisticated machines on the planet, and um, and all having actually having the luxury from working out of your house. It's pretty cool stuff. So I've been to Germany multiple times. It's you know, Germany's terrific. Anybody been to Germany yet? Yep. Fantastic. The, the best beer, I swear, they got some beer. They just blow your brains out. It's so great. Yeah, yeah definitely. Where where, yeah. where have you been? In, where have you been in Germany, Shane? Uh, I went to the DMG Open House in Fronten. Yeah, yeah. And so we were. Myself. Yeah, so we were kind of around the Munich area, and it was an awesome trip. They took us to like uh, a different like brew house every night, and they were all like really historic ones. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they'd tell you, yeah, yeah. you know, we this place has been here since the, you know the 1600s, and we still serve beer out of a wood cask and everything. So it was it was a really cool trip. What about the rest of the boys? I went to Tijuana once. Yeah, <laughs> I got, I got, I got, I got. That's the only time this. I've been out of the United States, actually. So that's a sad story, but anyhow, <laughs> I walked there. I'll tell you what, you invest in a German machine, they'll take you to Germany. No question. That's what I, that's what I hear. You know, I find it interesting <laughs> what you were saying about Haas because in my shop, I it's full of Akumas and, and a couple of stars, but I bought one Haas VF4, and the guy that came to do the install on that really didn't look like you know an install guy and i was like well you know when you buy a new akuma the service guys come out and they level it they power it up and they make sure everything works and then they leave and then the actual apps guy comes you know the next day or a week or so later when he can and we'll walk and talk you through all this stuff well this guy from haas came leveled the mill and put all the guards around it and did a few tool changes this that and the other and then he started you know teaching me the basics and i was just like and it was interesting on what you were saying because I've never seen a guy, an applications guy, you know, get down on the floor and, and, you know, adjust all the screws and level the machine. And it just seemed different to me. And it's usually they kind of break it up to where the apps guys aren't doing that. But it sounds like it's the same on the West Coast as it is to where 
it was when you were doing it. Yeah. I mean, it, there has to be, I, I don't mind a collaboration with apps and service. I mean, it has to exist, but there has to be some sort of separation between applications and service, you know, because I, I you know, you'd, you'd be surprised how many shops, I mean, I've been in a hundred shops all across Illinois and Indiana on the Haas side and you, you walk in there in a, in a service uniform and they're, they're looking at you like a service guy. And then right. you, you, you spend half the day in the shop, you level the machine, you do a great job. And, um, and then you, you, you grab the, 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 the manager or the owner. And I say, pick your guy, who are your guys? Give it to the control. You got four, I got four hours to give them training. And you know, I, I get, I start going on the training you know, and they figure out that I know more, you know, that, that some of them I know more than they do about the machine or how to machine. And they're just like, whoa, who the hell is this guy? Like, why are you wearing a service suit? Like, what's going on here? Exactly. Trying to trick us? So, yeah, interesting experience for sure. But it, it was it was valuable. It was valuable. Met a lot of good yes, people. It sounds like it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So three and a half years I've been with, with Open Mind Technology, uh, Technologies, and um, we, we actually make Two products, uh, HyperCAD S, which is the CAD side of the software, and we make HyperMill, which is the the CAM side, and it, they kind of integrate into it themselves. So you you need the CAD you need the CAD system to run the CAM system. So um, we have a great Italian team that makes the CAD side of things, and then of course the Germans are handling the CAM side of things. So I mean we do anything from two axis, uh, two axis, three axis, four and five axis. Uh, we do you know EDM. Um, I've been doing some hybrid hybrid additive uh, as of late, which has been interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, very challenging work, and um, yeah, it's it's been a fun ride. It's been a lot. I've been a, a lot of different factories. Um, the same as Shane, I've been to DMG Mori and Fronten. It's beautiful. Um, Grobe and Mindelheim was very nice. They're they're kind of in the middle of nowhere in Germany, which is uh, which is um, a beautiful facility. Great machine. And then uh, I've been to the factory in, in Oxnard. I thought Haas had a really cool factory, a lot of cool people. Um, and a few other few other scattered places in Germany, which is which has been a, a good experience as well. So, Are, are you going to be able to tell us how you actually met Albert, or is that not going to be able to happen? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> Albert, Albert and I met about, oh, wow, this has to be, this was about 2008 when I started getting into CNC. I was, I, I was taking a CNC programming class at the community college. And, and the, the teacher um, had a student that was working for Albert. His name was, um, he, he, was a, he was a short Hispanic guy, Alf, with, with glasses. He went to go work for Hall Miller. I don't know if you recall this, this, this guy. He he basically um, told the teacher he had been working with this guy, and this guy had offered to have the class come over to his shop. Well, the guy happened to be Albert. So, you know, at that time, you know, Al was a, a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed uh, guy out of college, <laughs> right? Just ready to go after it, right? He had uh, he had the Akuma, uh, the Akuma lathe, and he had the Haas VM2, mm-hmm. and um, I, I remember we just took a tour of this uh, of this facility. And, um, you know, Al was just kind of showing us the bar feeder and how the how the, the lathe worked and, you know, what the what the, what the mill can do and, you know, telling these kids, you know, hey, you start a great career in CNC, you'll make good money. You know, it's about, I don't know, 15 of us uh, programmers in the in the class. And and that's kind of how we we met. And then we just uh, I just kept in touch with Al and, you know, we we, um, we got a lot in common and uh, yeah, spent a little spent a little time working with him. During that during that uh, tour, was was Albert wearing a shirt during that time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was how very, was his hair always styled perfectly? Also, <laughs> like a wave. Well, Al didn't. Al, I don't think Al had a lot of gym time back then, so he was very pro shirt. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Albert, you're on mute. You, you you're not talking to us. What's He's going on? making dinner, man. Leave him alone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got him all scared with the silverware drawer. He's gonna be clanking I'm sorry. around. I've been fucking talking and I didn't realize it was on mute. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know what? I that tour. That tour was great, dude. I have a picture from that. I oh, do you really? Like, yeah, I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to post that up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I've been talking, but my mic has been on mute. <laughs> 
He's a ginger. Okay, so yeah. Take take what All you, you gotta do is right. look at your screen, Holmes. It'll show you your mic is on mute. I wasn't looking at my screen. <laughs> Obviously. I was looking in the microwave. So sorry, sorry, Peter. So then you from from there you started a pretty decent relationship with Albert. I mean not well, in a gay way, just a relationship way, you know. And then uh <laughs> And then you well, work I, together. I like, I like, I, I, I was really uh, appreciative of what he was building for himself and as a business. I saw, I, I think that um, I, I saw what he was was trying to do and he was trying to accomplish. So, as I was working in in the shop in Batavia, um, I, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, you know, if you, are you looking for somebody maybe at night to 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 kind of take a couple hours here and there, and I can kind of help you out a little bit." Maybe you can show me something I don't know. So, so that lasted a little bit, and then we got to know each other a little bit better. And then, um, you know, we, you know, obviously we always keep in touch. So Albert was actually um, a Haas customer, my Haas customer, one of my Haas customers, of course. So I, I supported him on the Haas side as well. Um, yeah, you uh, leveled one of our machines, if I recall correctly. Yes, this was when you when you bought the 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 horizontal, the NHX, and I think you had moved a machine over. And yep. um, it had to be leveled. I do remember going in for a service call. It was one time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I bought you like Taco Bell for leveling it or something. You're so generous. You've always been such a generous guy. Yeah, that's this is how. Yeah, this is how you uh, show your uh, uh, employee your worth, right? Throw him a pizza party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't do pie rises, just do pizzas. That's, that's it. Pizza party. That's how you keep morale. That's right. <laughs> it does work, so, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um. Stop the podcast! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Peter, 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 this is your time to shine. Why don't you tell us about the business and where do people can go and find you? Keep it short and sweet, otherwise, I'll cut you off. Uh, you can find us at openmind-tech.com. Uh, we're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, check out our YouTube channel, Cam by Open Mind. What's What's the best video on there to watch? Uh, best video to watch is the Grobe demo on the aerospace part. Right. Okay. So I'm going to go on to YouTube to look for Hypermill Grobe video. I mean, I'm not actually doing that. I'm just repeating myself. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for you to start the video, bro. <laughs> okay, let's get on with the podcast. So, what are your favorite machines to be that you've been around, Peter? Oh, man. I had a Besides- feeling that that question was going to be asked. I had a but feeling. We, we- we mean besides that LB15 that smelled like roses. <laughs> oh, and, that and obviously, and we also don't mean Albert. So, you know. You know, when you were telling that story, I love that story because I have an LB15 and I also have a cadet. And the coolant tank is part of the casting. And if you're ever going to change the coolant, if, if, who, anybody that's listening, if you're going to change the coolant on one of those, you need to do a flush and then a double flush because there's little cavities and corners where that shit just hides in there yes. and it is bad. bad. It is you can't bad. Pull it out. Yeah, you can't roll you can't. it. You've got to in there and do fucking yoga to get in there and suck out every corner like if if you don't know it's also the the akuma genos is built on the same casting and that's what i have mm-hmm. even that fucking tank sucks ass yoga and suck in the same sentence jody oh, he man. did I'm, I'm all in that's- for that <laughs> <laughs> just give me a yoga mat and a banana and i'm yours <laughs> whoa <laughs> anyway, so let's get back to the original question. Sorry, Peter. Favorite Garrett. machines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're. Like, you're uh, one thing I got to give Albert credit for it. He actually keeps insanely clean coolant. He actually has his coolant system going through some sort of ionizer, and he he actually you're very meticulous with coolant. I always appreciated that about you. This company was not. We cut a lot of malleable iron. Mm. And it, it, oh my god it, i mean it was three months that coolant would just be disgusting it was so gross i guess iron's tough to keep clean regardless 
Mm-hmm. It must have been quality candy. <laughs> it might have been. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know any better. I went to Albert's shop once when he did have clean coolant, but we went around behind him and spewing out on the floor and running down the, <laughs> the gutter. I don't know. What was up with that, Albert? I don't recall that. Remember? Probably, probably <laughs> like, um, like, Neil, like, he's probably just like forgot that it, they were filling it and walked away and, uh, had it overflow on the floor like three times. Yeah, Neil was the one that found it. He went around back looking for some reason, just spewing over the edge. It must have been a clogged filter or something. I don't know. Find it, you clean it, Neil. That's how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, so just confirming, Peter still hasn't answered the question yet. <laughs> hey, that's how this podcast yeah. goes. We, yeah. we tend to do that. All right. I'm well, I think, I think that there has to be kind of a separation of categories here, right? Because... I feel like the Japanese make an incredible machine and the Germans also make an incredible machine. But I, I can't, obviously, you can't admit it. The Italians, they make a very good machine as well. Um, on the, no, I, so let's, no, no, let, you, can't, you can't sit on the fence with this. You're just going to uh, tell us what, your, what, is, what is the best machine you, you've worked yeah, on. You had to buy a machine to start your own shop or something. Like what, and, you, and money was not an object, what would you buy? Hermola. Hermola. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Hermola, Hermola seems to have a very good understanding of how to integrate that Heidenheim control into the machine tool. So there's an extra added benefit to that. Um, they're incredibly fast and um, they're very accurate machines. I mean, even even the bigger machines, some of the surface finishing that I've seen come off of those things has just been remarkable. I, I will also say that um, no disrespect to any other companies because they all have great engineers, but Hermola has... They have a they have a few really exceptional programmers working for them. There's one guy in particular that's up in the Milwaukee area. He's a, he's been a hypermill user for probably twice as long as I've been working uh, at this company. Um, his name is Matthias Matthias Bayer Bayer. Just remarkable. He, so Matthias is actually the gentleman. I don't at IMTS. I'm sure you, you guys have gone through that Hermola booth. He is the one that programmed that Big Eagle. Right on. Oh, wow. I thought Titan yeah. programmed that. Titan, yeah. yeah, I did too. That wasn't Titan. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I'm sure he did that with Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Titan did, a, Titan did an eagle head, and CJ from Autodesk programmed it. Titan didn't program it. Are you uh, sure? I'm positive. Right. Yeah, why would he not pay other people to program for him? He's like doing that himself. Is he? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't yeah, know but our, he doesn't have as cool, big as arms as Titan, I'm sure. <laughs> Not enough time for the gym. Titan's just there to lift the 70-pound block of aluminum into the machine in front of the camera so he can, like, flex in front of the camera. Do you think Titan is listening to our podcast? Shit, yeah. He no. sure is. It'd be a damn shame if he didn't. It this would be true. a damn show. You yeah, heard it. You don't know what you're missing, buddy. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I agree 100%. <laughs> so you've you've bought your Hermley. What are you? What else are you going to yeah, add to your workshop? Yeah, in fact, this this changed the question. You you get you get to put three machines in your brand new workshop. What are they? Go. Do they have to be the same same brand? Hell no. no. Anything. Okay. Okay. Uh, anything okay. you like. Yeah, so I, Hermola goes without question. I, I think that they make a good product. Um, DMG Mori, I, the, I, I have uh, I have a, a strong fascination with the dual blocks and the nutating heads. Uh, I think they're just some of the coolest machines on the market. And um, they're putting them now into gantries, which is really cool. These big, large gantries like the DM, DMU340, the DMU200s. But the, the 125 dual block, I had a prospect about two and a half years ago that we sold a couple licenses to down in the Houston area. And I, I got to rough out some steel on a DMU 125 dual block. And I, I gotta, I'm got going to tell you, I actually have, absolutely had the time of my life on that machine. It was such a blast to program on that thing. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, it'd be a Matsura. Matsura. Uh, they they make they make a dynamite machine. I will say that, that I give credit to Matsura. Their their controls are incredibly easy to learn. They have the, the have the is that the Yasnak? No, they have they have the 31i Fanex, but they have like this 
they have their own kind of overlay, ah. right? Um, so, so it's very easy to program their palette systems. I mean, they, they were kind of, I believe, on the forefront of the palette. So, so before everybody jumped on the palette system in the automation game, they have been there for, I mean, it's for as long as I've known, since 2014. Oh, so yeah. they're, it's, they're remarkable. They're really good machines. Yeah, they're really good machines. So, um, and don't, don't get me wrong, I, I think Akuma, um, I, I think it'd be very difficult to on the internet to find anybody that's bad-mouthing an Akuma. And I think that goes a long way for a machine tool, that when you can't find a lot of negative arguments about that machine tool. They make a good machine tool as well. So um, I have programmed on a few of Akuma's uh, ME4, M, M4 U5 axis, M4000 U5 axis. I hope I'm saying those right. And um, I have I have done some some five axis machining on an Integrex. That was that was fun. I got to admit that was fun. An Integrex is um, a very sophisticated can sometimes be a very difficult to machine to run. There was a big learning curve on that side of things. So. The only only complaint I've ever heard about those is that one that they were pretty slow as far as you know tool to tool and the horsepower wasn't always exactly there what you needed on mm. an Integrex. Have you been to Mazak school? <laughs> no, but I, I I have not. But I've been to I've been to Florence many yes. times, many times. I've never met anybody yet been to Mazak school, but one day I will. <laughs> Mazak school. <laughs> the biggest thing with those is just having your post style because fuck, there's an M code for fucking everything. Yes, there is. Yeah, and I've heard that from the engineers there as well. So you know, I I walk in there with a post and it and it works right, but. A lot of the Mazak engineers, they're very used to a specific software, right? Because they 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 have they have those software engineers or those engineers for the software company are just there all of the time, all of the time, right? So those guys, I think, I feel they're used to seeing the code being output a specific way, and then they're looking for something very specific. Now it's that's just my experience with a few guys. I do have two two engineers that I support. There's one in Texas and there's one in New England. And I think Shane, you have had some experience with the guy in New England, really sharp yeah, guy. Yeah, with, with Brian. Yeah. Brian Bidwell. Yeah, he's really Very sharp. Smart I actually, guy. I actually just uh, I had a short conversation with him today. He's doing this insane project right now on an Integrex with this just ridiculous fixture, and um, uh, so I, I've been helping him with that a little bit. But yeah, what he he can do, he's he's a really good programmer. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the engineers at Mazak that basically said, I think your software will work for me. I'm fully committed to 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 you guys, and I'm going to do my best to to learn as fast as possible. And he's he's learned pretty quickly, so yeah, he's he's good to work with. He's a good, really good guy. So guy in Texas is the same way. He's the the his name is Jr. He he's a grinder. He likes to go out and get it. So he's a fun guy to work with as well. So, but um. Now, you know, you're, you're mentioning these Mazak guys, and, I, you know, I'm not trying to be, like, brand loyal or anything like that, but, like, you and I worked together at um, at DMG for probably, like, a good five solid, five straight weeks together, and there's some pretty solid uh, solid applications guys over there, too. I don't know if they're maybe on par with uh, the Mazak guys that you're talking about or, or whatever, but maybe you can chime in about that, or we can we can kind of tell that story a little bit. So DMG Mori, they're, they're structured a little bit differently. Uh, they, they actually have a team of guys that's dedicated to five axis, right? So that they're, they're kind of, um, and I believe they're still, they're still structured this way, but they have the, a department that's basically the five axis center of excellence. So there's probably a group of six or seven guys that that's all they do is five axis, monoblocks, dual blocks, evos, um, uh, gantries, uh, basically, you name it, anything that's five axis, they're, they're doing it. And, they're, and they're, their job is to support the nation. They're nationwide. So they're going to California. They're going to the Carolinas. Um, there, there are a couple of guys that are they're really good programmers. One guy specifically that comes to mind that I work with, his name is – it's actually he's got the best name. His name is Robert Smiley. Yeah, right? Smiley, man. I was wondering if you were going to say him. Right, right. So, so, he's good, dude. He's good. Yeah, so – so it's actually funny. Uh, I actually just saw him a couple of weeks ago. They've been stuck at home because of the, obviously the, the quarantine and the coronavirus and everybody being careful. 
uh, he's 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 got a part time job. He's making barbecue sauce. It's it's yeah, actually pretty good. I was good. gonna ask, dude. I was gonna ask because he he's been like pushing that thing ever. His little brother worked for me for uh, like I don't know, maybe a year or something. And he was talking about that too. Like his brother just is so into making barbecue sauce. It's pretty crazy that you should say that. Well, I've been harassing him because he knows how to smoke meat. And I've been telling him, like, where is where? <laughs> like, <laughs> Come on, Jody. Look at this. We're, we're like fucking five years old. This is great. <laughs> Sorry. That's exactly why I listen to this podcast. <laughs> Look, if you just smoke meat and Jody God, starts laughing at the school, he's like banana right now. He just knows how to smoke me. Oh my yes. god! Smoker. You're a real uh, meat smoker. You. Yeah. Oh, so I, okay. you know, I tell, I tell him like, so I got money. Cook me some. Br- I mean, smoke some brisket so I can pay you. Take, shut up and take my money, right? Yeah. Right. But, but the barbecue sauce is actually pretty good. He's making, uh, he's making a honey bourbon and a and a sweet habanero. Oh. So, uh, yeah, yeah, really good stuff. Really good stuff. Selling it by the jar, which is really good. But See, um. Why not? Let's let's become the brand people. <laughs> what was what is his uh, what is his source called? Uh, so the his his Smiley's Barbecue is basically the name of what he's trying to call it. I don't. I mean, he's on Instagram, Smiley's Barbecue. Um, uh, that's okay. I, I don't, don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Smiley's Barbecue. That that'll be. If anyone's listening and you want some barbecue sauce, Smiley's is the way to go because he definitely is good at smoking meat as well. So. <laughs> Peter, please tell me that you're going to tell Smiley to go listen to this episode because I think he's going to be so pumped to hear that we even mentioned like his freaking barbecue name on here. Well, there's a there's a prerequisite, though. Oh. Anytime I recommend the podcast to anybody, I always tell them to start with the Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> always. <laughs> oh, I have to start scary. with the Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, way scary. that's that's like how jumping you in the fire with up, gas man. that's fucked up no <laughs> only to only to the to people that i know that would understand the humor obviously anybody else i would say you know you got to listen to this podcast start from the beginning it's fantastic it's it's i don't know it, i think that the i think that the the for me, the fuckery is always appreciated very much, right? Because we don't – it's hard to find this stuff in our relevant business, right? So you have the other guys, right, the podcast. You got the making chips and the business of machining. But, you know, these guys are talking a lot of the business stuff. I don't I don't want to hear about business stuff. I mean, it's – I guess it's kind of interesting, but I, I don't know. I, it, it's just better to, to listen to guys just kind of, you know, jack off a little bit and, and – um, just have some fun with it, you know. We might yeah, need to work what... on your verbiage or your selection of words a little bit here, but um, I get where you're going, and I, I, I like it. That's <laughs> what we've always said was if we, we used to get together and just do this for fun without making a podcast, and then somewhere, somehow, we said, hey, we should record this shit, and apparently some people are listening, and we're really glad that you enjoy it. And mm. It is. It's kind of like staying after work and drinking some beers and just bullshitting, in our opinion. That's kind of how we treat it, and that's kind of how we're going to leave it. Yep. Yeah. 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 Very- I'm pumped that we got you on too because like it's been it's been cool hearing your story, but you've you've seen so much of like the manufacturing world and you've been exposed to so many different sides of it. It's kind of cool to get that for me at least to get that perspective from you, whether you're on the podcast or whether we're talking when I'm on support with Hypermill or whatever. Um, because you know, like I don't get that in my shop. You know, I see my shop, I don't see the rest of the planet. So. That's that's the that's the kicker, right? I, I think Jody can kind of relate. You spent some time with Sandvik, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that you, for me, you get that unique experience of of looking, going to specific areas of the country to see how how manufacturing is kind of is is kind of working in different areas, right? So like, you know, Minneapolis is doing things different than Milwaukee. Right. Or or Cincinnati is obviously different than Chicago. Right. They're all making stuff. But the, the programmers and the machine operators, the type of machine tools, the skill sets, I mean, it's all different and unique. Right. So, I, you know, somebody that's working in the Twin Cities, they they're, they'll you know, they may spend their entire lives in a shop. They'll never know how a shop is run in Chicago in Milwaukee. So I, it's really cool because I get a, I get a peek into a lot of different areas um, to see how how people are doing things. Right. There's because nobody's doing anything the same way. Nobody, which is really incredible. Mm, absolutely. 
Um, so just, I know we've, we've talked about the, the sort of background as you were already in the industry, but do you really like Albert? I, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Al, 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 Al will get a little hot and heavy when he needs something right away, but you know what? Um, he, he's not the only customer that needs something now. So, you know, it's not like, you know, he's the only one, but it's, it's very rare. It, it's very rare that, that Al will, will call me and say, I, I need something. I got to have this right now. So it, I think that it's, I think since Al's been my customer on the on the hypermill side, I think he's maybe had that happen two times. Two times, which yeah, is sorry, you know, Joey, you're the only one that doesn't like me. <laughs> I'm shitting <laughs> with you. <laughs> you know I love you, Albert. Oh my god. That goodness. was a great. That was a no, really. That was a great question because I'm not like a likable person. I'm kind of boring and I'm kind of an asshole. So I appreciate you asking that. You know. That must be why we get along so well, Bert. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> Do you have an intimidating stare as well? Yeah. And I mean, how intimidating, realistically, how intimidating can a 165-pound dude with a cat shirt on be? <laughs> Not one fucking bit. Good point. <laughs> Unless he's holding right. that pink ski rope. <laughs> there's, there's your answer, man. <laughs> I don't know how you got that thing. You allowed that picture to get on the internet. It's amazing to me. <laughs> I should make that my like LinkedIn profile picture. Yeah. The look on your face is what's so priceless. Really exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just like people want to see that and take you home and do bad things. You're Boy. talking about that's like the the picture that uh, that Jody sent with him uh, deep throating a banana. Oh. <laughs> so like capture, it's like it's pretty embarrassing, I guess. But you that, know, is, now, that is that now not, thanks to Pimp C is officially a sticker on Instagram. If you search hashtag Machinist Therapy Hotline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. So Peter, you um you would. You're, sorry, what am I trying to say? You I don't are, know. I don't know either. Sorry. Hey, I, I was trying to go there. So, so a lot of the guests that come on, they know that we have had historically have had a, a wee bit of uh, following on Instagram as they're quite prolific users. You're you're probably one of the guests that is not a person that has had prolific use on Instagram, which is like, which is fine. But two days ago, apart from two days ago, we yeah, right, right. put on yeah. 10 I'm playing, I'm playing catch up. I've been a little lazy on the IG side. Yeah. <laughs> so, do, but I mean, do you, just because you don't post anything, do you, do you still have a look on Instagram for things or are you, or is it just not really in your radar to, to no, do that? No, I, I am a, I am more of a consumer. I do. I'm on Instagram every day. I'm always watching. I'm always following. So, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so Tony has uh, Tony has a question for you. <laughs> oh, so normally when somebody's been on Instagram for quite a long time, I ask them who are their top five people that they like to follow or they find interesting or they just troll on or creep on, such as people that don't say anything and just go and check all your shit out. And then, yeah. <laughs> top five? Um, yeah. There's a there's a guy in in Turkey. His, his he goes by the handle of Orange Chaos. Um, yeah, I follow him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too, yeah. He he's doing a lot of really cool stuff. I think he's making vices as well, right? The star grips, um, yep. self-centering vices. Though I can't imagine how accurate those things are. Um, yeah, really good hypermill user. He's been using hypermill for a very long time. Um, yeah, he, he's he's very interesting. He's very active as well. Um, uh, we talked about uh, Brian Bidwell, his handle, Brappin Brian. Um, when, when he's able to share, he, he does put up a lot of really cool stuff. Um, that dude's he, smart. Yeah, he's a very sharp guy, very smart. Um, there, there's a guy that's in, in Minnesota. Um, it's worth looking into. He just bought a, a – um, well, the company he works for just bought a, a really nice uh, machine called a Kern. Are you guys familiar with what a Kern is? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. they just bought a, a microvario and um, this guy's pretty sharp. Uh, he just bought a Cita Hypermill, so he's he he'd be worth looking into. He's a he's a really sharp guy as well and he's he's very active on Instagram as well. So why, are they, is, why why are they so expensive, those Kerns? Most likely because they're more they're the most accurate machines in the world. Um, that would, that might be it. <laughs> yeah, they're extremely fast too. 
very, very fast machines. Um, so, some of them, uh, they may not look like it, but some of them, they're so compact that they actually have pallet changing systems underneath the tool changing system. So some of those machines may look like they don't have a pallet changer, but they actually indeed do have a pallet changer. Yeah, they're, they're wow. very nice. Yeah, mm. yeah, that they're they're small, but you know, obviously in in the Minnesota in the Minneapolis area, there's a lot of micro machining going on because it's a big medical industry up there, and they're doing a lot of very small parts. Uh, I mean, so, some of the parts they're doing actually. Um, uh, that there, there was a, a prospect that I visited that's up there. I don't, I can't remember the the area in Minneapolis, but they're making some of these things are about the size of a grain of rice. That's how small some of this stuff is. So you need the accuracy, right? So you're talking sub micron accuracy. Um, that's wow. that's why they're pricey, really expensive. Right. That's like in the realms of Danny Rudolph, eh? That's the kind of stuff he does. That small <laughs> micro turning shit. Yeah. There is a, there's a shop that's in um, in Michigan that's in that kind of Detroit-Windsor corridor. This is where a lot of these guys are making molds for cars. Uh, his name is uh, Taylor Lower. I hope, I hope yeah. I'm saying his name right. I was going to mention him earlier uh, when you were talking about the new titting head machine. Precision M Inc. is their handle. And if you guys want to see some dynamite, out-of-this-world surface finishing on molds, this mm-hmm. this guy has some incredible pictures of molds. Yep. Just the, some of Great the nicest work. surface finishing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, really really good stuff. Um, so how, how many is that? That's that's four. I, I don't even know. Four. Yeah, let's say let's say four. Yep. One and more. And then um, there, there's one more that does a lot of really interesting turbo machinery work. SAB Technology. Um, they're making a lot of really cool turbo machinery type parts, a lot of very interesting geometries and stuff that you look at. And you're like, oh, when the hell are you programming that? I, I just don't understand it. But uh, really cool stuff there. So, wow. yeah, those are those are those are great pages, man. I mean, I, I follow a lot of the same ones for the same reasons. You know, um, I think the, the Taylor Laura's shop, uh, Precision, uh, whatever you said it was. He he does awesome shit, man. His, his surface finishes are amazing. You are absolutely right about that. So the dude knows what's up. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he just bought a, a brand new machine. I, I believe it's an Awea. Just huge uh, uh, bridge column machine. So those guys seem to be doing all right up there. So yeah, we've 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 reached the end of episode twenty-seven. Thank you, Peter, for joining us today. We really appreciate the fact that you took time out to come and spend time with us four. Um, hope you've enjoyed yourself. Yeah, I did. Guys, get your asses out to IMTS. Don't miss it. Uh, there might be a problem. There's this uh, pandemic going on at the moment. And, um, Think positive, Mr. Tuckwell. Think positive. <laughs> okay, I'll, the I'll show try. must go on. Well, yeah, while you're on here, I would like to know what your take is on that because everybody that I talk to, I've been hitting up uh, my Coomlin guy and other people saying, you know, what's your gut feeling? It's a ways off. Is it still going to happen? What's your thoughts? Chicago needs money. I feel it's going to happen. But okay. the only the only the only the only way it's not going to happen is if politics get in the way. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Good point. Okay. Well, from all of us here at Machinist Therapy Hotline, we hope you've enjoyed listening to Peter's story and his background and us. And uh, we'll see you next time on Machinist Therapy Hotline. Woo! Yeah. Oh, yeah, bitches. Dramatic music. <laughs>